Okay, if Madison, if you sit there, you got to sing.
Amen. Let's stand this evening. Let's go into worship this evening. We're going to sing a hymn of the church, leaning on the everlasting arms. So let's worship the Lord. Well, now what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessed this word of peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Talk how sweet to walk. this evening and greet those around you in the Lord and immediately following that we'll come back to worship this time.
back to worship this evening. We're going to ask you to remain standing. We're going to open up with prayer, and then we're going to go right back into worship this evening. Lord, we worship you tonight, Lord, and we come back into your presence today, and we ask that your spirit would be in our midst as we get ready to worship you this evening. Lord, we thank you for the presence of God that we felt in your house this morning. And Lord, tonight we're asking likewise that you do the same, that you would come into our midst right now, Lord, and you would inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, that you would continue to bless us and pour out your spirit upon us. In Christ's name we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 Let's worship together.
was too wide. He promised he would lead me to the other side. He promised he
sometimes it's easy to go through motions it's easy to sing songs it's easy to go through a program and follow it all the way through it's easy to get through a routine sometimes God it's nice to get off script get off the road map get off the side of the road and God to go off script and just say Lord I just want you nothing else matters songs Though we enjoy the preaching of the word, while that's great and encouraging and exhorts and challenges the people, Lord, it's nothing without you. Tithes and offerings and Sunday school programs and youth and children ministries, they're exciting, but they mean nothing without you. God, no matter what, when we go through motions, when we go through agendas, when we go through whatever, Lord, our heart still has to beat with the beat of the Master, the beat of the Father. Our heartbeat still has to long and to yearn like that psalmist so eloquently penned as the deer panteth for the water but so my song soul longeth after you, O Lord. We just want you. And God, today we're asking that in this moment you'd speak to our hearts and let us know that you are in our midst. And you'll speak to us. And for that we will be eternally grateful and give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Christ Jesus, we pray and ask these things. And the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord if you can today. I do want to go to special prayer. Um, just received word. Uh, Miss Ann is taken real sick. Uh, she was here, but 
Uh, Brother Dennis and Sister Dale just literally slipped out just a second ago. She's not doing too good. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know all the details yet, obviously. Um, but I believe God can touch her wherever it's going on. Whether it's uh, sickness in just body or whether it's something more that's bothering her, I, I don't know what it is. But I believe God can touch her wherever she's going or wherever she's at. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to let's stand together. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're a healer. You're a deliverer. You're a sustainer of life. God, you've seen the faithfulness of Miss Ann this past weekend in her service to the body of Christ. Cooking food for a family and spending lots of energies to make sure that the hands and feet of Jesus Christ were exhibited through the benevolent ministry of our church. God, right now she needs a touch. I don't know what's going on, but she needs a touch. God, I know that some of her family had to take her, God, back to the house. But God, you can go right now to where she's at. Whether it's in a car, whether it's in a house or wherever she may be headed, I pray that God, you just come down in that car or in that house. And right now, you would just let the finger of God just come down and touch her body. Right now. Let there be healing virtue flowing from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet right now. God, whatever this is doing, ramshacking her body, Lord, we, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. God, she's been this week an ambassador in the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And God, now we're asking you to let your hand be extended and reach down and touch her. Heal her and her body in this moment. God, I don't know the severity, but I know a God who heals. I've seen God do miracles I can't explain. I've seen God make ways where I could not even believe a way could be made. So I know that this is not outside of your scope or purview of abilities to do. But I need you to do it. Because God, I can't fix it, but you can. I can't heal her, but you can. I can't make it better, but you can. Your word said, if two or three agree, is touching in any one thing you are in the midst. God, we are the family of God joining our faith together. All of us in this room are joining our faith together, asking for the hand of the Lord, petitioning for the hand of God to come down and touch her right now. So God, I'm asking that, Lord, you would, only do, you would do what only you can do. And that, Lord, we'd get a report back that she's doing better or feeling better or We'll even be back on Wednesday night for Bible study because she's doing better. We believe you can do that. We trust you. To this we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated just for a moment. I don't know the severity of that, but I would ask you, um, you continue to remember her in prayer that she would get to feeling better. You know, I I find it I find it interesting 
maybe is a good word. Maybe, maybe that's the best way to say it. I don't know. I find it interesting that, isn't it just like the devil sometimes? And I'm not saying sickness always is from the devil. But it, doesn't it seem like every time you do something for the Lord or something good for the Lord, something bad happens to you afterwards? Whether it's sickness, whether it's your car breaks down, whether it's your washing machine times out, whether whatever it may be, it just seems like, good Lord, what happened here? But I do believe that God's hand is not too short, that He can't reach down in people's lives wherever they are. You know, obviously this morning, you know, Sister Tana couldn't be here to, this morning, and she's obviously not here tonight. She's real sick. She's not feeling good. We don't know if it's something she ate or what. But you know, she was here last week to help us with our streaming devices for Brother Calsey. She was not able to be here today. She's sick. And then obviously tonight, Miss Ann, after her weekend of doing all she did, is now facing something in this moment. I started thinking as they were attending to Miss Ann and, and folks let me know, I started thinking, Feel like Brother Calsey. Brother Calsey preached last Sunday morning and Sunday night, and I did watch it most of it live. And then when I didn't get to finish live, I went back and picked up the rest of in my breaks. And then by Tuesday, he calls and tells me he's sick. Like, good Lord. And hopefully, uh, I didn't get any report differently. I assume he went and preached today where he was supposed to for the other pastor that he was supposed to fill in for. I know Sister Calsey was here Wednesday night, but. Right now, it just seems like the the enemy's attacking all kinds of people. Whether it's sicknesses, I know Miss Patricia has been traveling and she hasn't been feeling well. Miss Nina's coming back from her, and I'm so glad that she was able to make it today. But she's coming back from her bout of sicknesses, and uh, last week or the week before when we talked, she was she was struggling. It was rough, a rough past. Thankfully, the Lord's brought her through. You know, but I do believe that even when you walk through seasons of what I call prosperity, good health, and things like that, I do believe the same God that blesses us in those seasons is the same God that will sustain us in the challenging seasons. The seasons that, whether it's sicknesses, or whether it's sleepless nights, or whether it's, you know, cancer diagnosis, or whatever, you know, Sister Mary Weaver with us, was with us this morning, you know, sometimes in the afternoon she doesn't feel too good because of her sickness, things like that, you know, I, I still believe God heals people, I still believe God has sustaining power, I've seen him do it, I've seen him do it in my life, I've seen him do it in your life, I've seen him do it in this congregation throughout the last three years, but I would challenge all of us today before we break the bread of life here in a moment, I, I would challenge all of us today to remember one distinct thing. And that is this. Don't give up on God. No matter how it looks, don't give up on God. Don't think God's not listening. Don't think, you know, you may have times, well, Pastor, I prayed and it feels like that my prayers are just bouncing off the wall and God didn't hear me. Oh, He heard you. You may not have felt it, but He heard you. And sometimes, Sometimes it's hard to see God in the midst of the smoke and the fog of life because it's like the fog of life is so dense in our lives we can't see, we have no visibility of God anywhere out there in front of us. 
we got sicknesses, we got job decisions, we've got uh, career issues, we've got you know car issues, we've got all kinds of things that are in front of us and just like a haze in front of us. We don't really know what to do. It's like we can't see real far. But don't give up on God. God never gets lost. God's not directionally challenged. God doesn't ever get into the foggy seasons of life and goes, oh no, I don't know where to go next. He's never taken off guard. You know, I know Sister Beulah had to be out tonight. and As I said, Brother Carl's and others that normally are here on Sunday night. So we may not have as large of a crowd as we normally have. You know, we counted about eight or ten normal folks that are normally here uh, that are out for various reasons and, and doing different things. But the Bible says that it only takes two or three people. It doesn't say you have to have 50 people before God comes. It doesn't even say you have to have 30 people before God comes. It doesn't say you have to have 20 people before God comes. It doesn't say you have to have 10 people before God comes. We've got those numbers beat. But it doesn't even say you have to have five people. It says if two or three agree is touching any one thing, I will be in their midst. Two or three people. So there may not be 25, 30 people in here like sometimes there is because of other folks being out. Some may have had to leave early. But God still can be here. God's still here. God's still a part of our life. And I say to that because I think sometimes in life we, it's easy to see God when life is great, but sometimes when life is hard, we think God's abandoning us and He's bailed on us and He's jumped off the boat. He's overboard somewhere and left us to drown. God never leaves a man behind. I know the military coins that, never leave a man behind. God never leaves a man behind either. If the boat is going to sink, God's going to stay on the boat to the last person's to safety. God's not going to let you drown and him just get off the boat and drown. Even when the disciples thought they were going to drown, he still slept on the boat, got up and said, hey, listen up. Wind, be quiet. Waves, calm down. And went back to sleep. I mean, he just stopped it. He wasn't going to let him drown because he wasn't going to drown. He wasn't going to drown. Sometimes in life we get to feeling like we're overwhelmed but I just want to remind you that it does not take God by surprise it doesn't take him off guard even something like we experienced tonight where someone had to leave in the middle of worship and we don't maybe have all the details God wasn't shocked by that God already knew it and God's already working it out even if we can't see it we sang it this morning even when I don't see it you're working and even when I don't feel it you're working we don't necessarily may see it right now, but that doesn't mean God's not already working on her behalf or on your behalf, even while you're here today. So I just want to encourage us with that today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. It's not going to be on your screen tonight. I'm going to have you read it in your, in your Bible, if possible, tonight. It's just two verses, 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 12. 13. While you're turning there, let me say to all our online guests that are watching, whether it's people just not able to be here or maybe they're streaming because their church doesn't have church, 
we welcome you to church tonight. Uh, Micah is supposed to be watching, so hello, Micah, if you're there, somewhere out there in cyberspace land. I said hello. I promised him he's, he wanted to come to church so bad. I said, no, I think you should just lay low today. Make sure we don't have any other, you know, there's no issues. I want to make sure you're safe. And he said, okay, and, and he wasn't real happy about it. I said, I'll tell you what, if, if you don't go, Daddy will give you a shout-out on TV. And he'll, he thinks that the computer is TV. He thinks we're famous, like we're on Facebook, son. We're not famous. But if you're out there watching on TV, Micah, Daddy says hello, like I promised. And, uh, and you behave or you're going to bed early when I get home. Um, but as I began to think about tonight's message, I started a couple weeks ago a message called The Four R's of True Revival. And what it means for the church to be revived again. And as I sat in San Antonio, Texas this week, it dawned on me that we really need a revival more than I thought we did before. Listening just to the dialogue and the things discussed and the mannerisms of people, the more I sat there, the more my mind started immediately going to, oh God, <laughs> we need a miracle. Men and women and others who are, how can I say it to sound politically correct, that say that they are children of God, even some that say they are mouthpieces and ambassadors for God, get to a level of decorum where they treat their brother and sister as inhumane because they don't agree with each other, yelling, bickering, almost going to blows at the mic stand and I sat there and I thought about the message that I started a couple weeks ago and was going to finish this week about revival see I said to you the very first week I preached on the four R's of revival you can't revive something that's never been alive revive means to literally bring back to life well if it's never been to life ever before that's not reviving something if it's never been alive so a sinner, you can't say, well, when, we go to, when you go to these conventions and conferences and a sinner comes up and, and they come to the altar, they didn't get revived, they got saved. Because <laughs> they've never lived before. They don't know what living's like. They don't know who Jesus is. They got saved. Now, if they backslid, fall away, whatever you want to call it, and start, they know what God is like, but then eventually go back to the ways of the world. If they come back to God, their heart has to be revived for the things of God. You, you have to have lived at least to understand the value of being revived. So the world's not needing reviving. They need to be saved. But the church needs to be revived. And I say that not just Church of God only. I'm talking about universal, all churches. We need revival to sweep across this land because people's lives are hanging in the balance from it. They really are. And it's not just your sons and daughters and grandchildren in the world. There are church peoples that's lives are hanging in the balance because they think they're okay, but they are not okay with God. There are people sitting on our pews. There are people coming on Sundays and Wednesdays that they think their life is all panned out. It's a great. They give enough money to the church. They do enough charitable deeds, and they don't realize it, but they're blinded by their own things of life, their own pride, their own arrogance, the pride of life, and other things. They're blinded, and if God should come, they're going to be sadly mistaken. They need revived. I didn't know how, what would happen tonight. Obviously with the transition of things that just took place a few minutes ago. 
But the scripture that I had picked to, to out of First Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 and 13, I didn't even realize I had had this message already put together. I put it in the system before I left town, made sure it was all put together. And I didn't even realize how impactful this was going to be. And I didn't even realize the things that would transition in this service. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. If you're able to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to read these two verses. Now, I just told you, we just kind of had a curveball thrown to us, and we just prayed over that situation. And I told you, sometimes in life, we don't always see how we do stuff for God, but then it seems like right after we do something good for God, something comes up against us. We fight a battle of some sort. And no way, when I picked this part of the Scripture, because I studied to make sure I was ready two weeks in advance, and no way did I know two weeks out what we just would see happen in the last ten minutes. But listen to what God's Word said that I already had put. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal or the fiery trial among you which comes upon you to test you. To test you. Don't think it is some strange thing happening to you. Don't think it's just some random event. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So that the revelation of his glory may rejoice in you in exultation. Listen to what he says, brother. Do not think it's strange concerning this fiery trial you're facing. Don't, don't think it's out of the box when something comes up you didn't see coming. It's there to try you. You didn't see it coming. Don't think it's some strange thing. Don't think it's some strange thing happening to you. No, no. No, no, it's not just a random event. But rejoice because you can partake in Christ's suffering. And when His glory revealed, you can be glad with exceeding joy. Nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing. It might catch us off guard. We might go into scramble mode. We may have to do things. But nothing catches God off guard. Nothing. Sometimes in the church we act like that though. Universal church, I mean. We go sit on General Assembly Council's floor and we listen to do their things and we sit in a chair and we just, when we think, oh, nothing can surprise me, somebody gets up to the mic and surprises us that we didn't even think see it coming. You know, I've often sat in those chairs and thought to myself, there's no way somebody's going to go up to that mic and make a fool of themselves. And about that time I think about that, somebody goes up to the mic and makes a fool of themselves. And I thought, wow, I'm a prophet and I didn't know it. Somebody asked me the other week, says, why don't you ever go to the microphone? I said, I have been to four General Assemblies which is eight years total, and so far I have an impeccable track record of never getting on a microphone, and I plan to keep that record till the day I die. That's a record I'm proud of holding. Not because I don't have anything to say, because half what I got to say, they ain't going to want to hear. <laughs> it's not because there's other people that are qualified to do that, but I also understand there are people that go out there and they make a name for themselves, and whether it's political, whatever you want to call it. But even in church, you know, I always think it's hilarious metaphorically speaking how surprised we get when God does stuff how surprised we get let me pray for us today Father bless the reading of this word and bless your people let us not be hearers but doers of this word likewise in Christ's name we pray and the people of God together said amen amen you may be seated I always find it funny how we uh, get surprised at what God does 
I tell, I'm going to tell myself a little bit here, and uh, hopefully I don't get in trouble since my wife is watching online. She isn't here, so I really can't get in trouble at this moment, but I might can get in trouble when I get home. But I know nobody in this room ever has a disagreement with your spouse, ever, never. Every one of you always see eye to eye, it is flawless, your marriage is like floating butterflies in a beautiful rose garden. Life is just peachy keen, you couldn't get no better. If you had to do it all over again, yes, you would marry them and you'd change absolutely nothing about that spouse of yours, I know that. But my wife has some things she probably would change on me, I'm just going to tell you, we're not perfect, there's some things she probably wishes were different about me. But one of the things that gets her sometimes, she gets a little annoyed by this, and baby, if you're watching, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to tell it anyway. When we have a discussion about something or disagree, if it gets to a point where it's, you know, one of those that we're just trying to explain things to each other in a louder tone than we normally would explain it to each other, I laugh. I get tickled. I laugh. Because for me, when I get the most angry, I'm just telling myself, when I get the most angry, I shut down. I get quiet. When I'm quiet, there's a problem. That's facts. If, I, if you ever see me in town and I'm not saying anything, I'm not doing anything, there's obviously a reason. I'm not one to normally just be, you know, in a venue and nobody knows I'm there. I'm normally, everybody knows when I arrive kind of person. When I get mad, I shut down. But every so often, in a moment of discussion or whatever else, and I'll smile, or I'll smirk, and I'll get tickled, and she said, what do you think's so funny? I said, it's not that it's funny. It's just funny how we're, you know, sometimes I'll be like, well, it's funny about what we're discussing, or it's funny about what we're going about. But sometimes it's like, it's not that it's funny. It's just this mechanism that I use to keep me, keep me grounded. I just, I, I, I don't think the situation is funny. It just helps me not to get to the point of getting frustrated, to the point, you know, of getting angry or whatever it may be. And I... And she, she always says, she says, you know, next time something happens, I start snickering again. I said, babe, it should by now not surprise you. If you push me to a certain point, I'm going to probably just kind of smirk. I'm going to kind of give a little chuckle, and I'm going to be like, okay, whatever you say. That's just the way it is. But I, I say that because it seems like every time that we, whenever we have a discussion or something that happens, it, she's always shocked the next time that I laugh. Why are you laughing again? I've already explained to you why I laugh. So shy, it's like she doesn't remember why I did that. But we do that to God too. See, we, when someone gets saved, yes, we should be excited and yes, we should rejoice. But it is amazing to me how often when God does something, we're like floored that God did it. We're like, oh, wow. As if we didn't know he couldn't do it. I mean, we get, you're, I don't want you to misunderstand and think, well, Pastor, what are you saying? When somebody walks in here and says that they're, they're, they had cancer, but when they did the next scan, the cancer was in remission or it was no longer there. Are you saying we shouldn't be excited about it and praise the Lord? No, no, I think we should. But we shouldn't be shocked. We should just be celebrating because we know God can heal people. We shouldn't be shocked by it. We should just celebrate it. You hear people all the time, well, man, I, Man, I, God did that for so-and-so. Man, I just, I just didn't see that coming. Why not? Why not? I mean, we got countless pages of Holy Scripture that proves he raised dead people. That's pretty impressive, y'all. I ain't never been nowhere where people could raise dead people. Of course, if I ever went somewhere and they did raise the dead person, they're going to have to do it twice because I'm going to die next, so they're going to have to get me back up too. 
Because if you raise up dead people, we that's getting a little freaky. But he went to tombs and cemeteries. Even on his death, graves opened up and people got up according to Matthew. He said it is finished. Graves opened up people got up. That's a little, that's a little unnerving. People that were legally blind, eyes were open. People that couldn't walk, they grew, if you will, strength and limbs to be able to move. People that had been invalids and they were not able to feel their lower extremities were healed and set free by his healing power. People who never had said a word, their tongue was loose to be able to talk. People who never had heard the gospel message, they, they maybe could have seen Jesus. They maybe could have made out the words based on his movement of his mouth. But they never heard the voice of God in terms of audibly. He would walk by and just place his hands on their ears and open up eyes to where they would hear. The first voice they would hear was God's voice. That's pretty impressive. He'd walk into rooms where senior saints like Peter's mother-in-law are laying on beds of affliction and about to die and heal them and then those same people would get up and minister to him by fixing him dinner. He would walk into the religious elites of the day of a religious leader by the name of Jairus and walk into his house where his little girl is sick unto death and ultimately his little baby girl dies at 12 years old and Jesus walks into a Pharisee house and he walks into this religious elitist of the day and all the crowd around him thinks he should, has no business being there and Jesus walks in and he takes the hand of a little girl and he raises her up and gives her back to her parents. If we read, if we truly Believe that this is the authoritative, absolutely, 100%, no questions asked, the true authoritative word of God, then why don't we believe the whole book? Why? It shouldn't shock us. I had somebody a couple weeks ago ask me, said, Pastor, and I won't say who they are because I wouldn't want them to feel embarrassed by me calling them out in terms of talking to me, but they said, Pastor, why don't we believe in healing anymore? Why don't we believe that when we bring the people before God and we lay hands on them and the, the, the elders of the church, we call the elders of the church and the people of God and we pray the prayer of faith in the sick and they shall recover according to James. Why don't we believe it can happen? Why don't we believe that in our declaration of faith where we actually state in the church of God declaration of faith, we believe in divine healing. Why don't we believe it anymore? You know what I had to say? I believe it, but I really can't answer that. I don't know why we don't believe that anymore. I believe it can still happen. I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen. I have been a part of it when it's happened. But at the end of the day, there are some people that don't believe it'll still happen. They walk into a room, Pastor, I got cancer. And I say, all right, well, we're going to pray, believe God's going to heal you. Oh, Pastor, they say it's terminal. I know, but we're going to still pray God is going to heal you. Well, I don't know if God can do that. You just shot any option of chance you had because your doubt has just robbed you of your joy. Oftentimes, doubt will steal your miracle before you even get a chance to enjoy the miracle. Doubt will take it from you. And I sat there this week and was thinking of this as I was preparing to finalizing this message. You know, the first week we talked about that we, that God, this was out of, we talked about King Jehoshaphat and how he went in 2 Kings 23, and he removed, uh, or excuse me, King Josiah, I'm sorry, and he removed all of the idolatry and worship, the Baals, and he brought the people back to a relationship with God, and he got them back on track following the Lord. He removed the rebellious. And then we, we talked about 
the next week we had talked about the redemption of the revolted all the people of God that once served him but they kind of revolted God called them back and said I still will have room for you come on back home I'll make a way for you you can always come back to the fold but then I started thinking but you know what God sometimes has to get the righteous people to realize it yeah we talk about we all like the scriptures brother, brother Randy this morning I happened to walk in there to get a bottle of water this morning and I read his screen or his, his um, board and it said uh, basically, I don't remember the exact wording, but basically, what is your favorite psalm and why? <laughs> I thought to myself, oh boy, I could, that could get real interesting real fast because I've read all of them. <laughs> Some of them are praise him in the sanctuary, praise him in the noonday, praise him in the firmament of his power, that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And then there's other ones that said, God, strike the wicked and let them die. That's the ones I like. You can praise him in the morning and the noonday. I like, Lord, let my let the wicked be broken like a flax iron and let them be smoldering like the fire. Yes, God, let them do it. That's my scripture. Lord, let my enemies be scattered. Thank you, Jesus. I like that one. You can pick any of the psalms you want. Some of my psalms are beat them up, pack them up, ship them off, and leave me alone. I love those psalms. You can have all the little fairy tale roses of, oh, it's beautiful in the sunshine. Strike them all, God. Take them out. The reality of it is, I, he, I said that to him this morning. I said, that would be my psalm, but thankfully I'm not in your Sunday school class to really take you off topic when I say I want God to wipe them off, off the world. The reality of it is, sometimes, even as the righteous people of God, we have to be reminded, our own self, yeah, we can... Remove the rebellious. We like that. Oh, God, take them away. Yeah, we can all preach that and shout all over the church. Oh, we like the, if, if the, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We like the one we talk about. Let the wayward sons and daughters. Let them come home. Pray for my grandchildren. Pray for my great-grandchildren. Pray for my children. Let them get saved. Yeah, we like that we want them that know who Jesus is to come back to Jesus. That's great. But we don't always like it when we have to be the one God's calling out. We don't mind calling somebody else out. We don't mind praying for somebody else. But when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, that now I have to come to the altar. I have to be held accountable. I have to stand before God because God's not talking about my child or God's not talking about my grandchild or talking about my spouse. But it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Oh, it gets different when I have to stand here than when somebody else is standing there. I remember as a kid growing up, we always taught it, you know, people taught this to their kids all the time. I remember Growing up as a kid, you know, learning all those cool little church songs that everybody sings, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, and, you know, I'm in the Lord's army, yes sir, all that stuff, I remember all those. But I also remember going to kids camp meeting in Malden, South Carolina during, back then they had morning Bible study during camp meeting, you had morning and night. During the morning they had kids camp meeting in the chapel, the old chapel there on the campground. Donnie and Lula Sanders did kids' camp meeting. They did kids' camp meeting so long, they didn't even know who kids were anymore. That's the truth. They didn't. The kids had been there so long, they didn't know. I think they started out as kids, and they were like 85 when they retired. They had seen everybody's kids come through there. Every so often, they would sing different songs. But one of the songs they would always talk, it, it was simply, It's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. 
Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And they would do competitions on each side who could sing it loud and all that stuff. That's a cute little song. Except we don't like it when it comes reality. Because sometimes it's nice when it's Brother Randy up here praying. We can be like, oh God, touch Brother Randy. Help him. I don't know what he is. I don't know what's going on in his life. You know, if we're good church people. I'm not saying any of this about y'all. I'm talking about all the other churches. Our church don't do this. There's other churches that do this. But good church people, what they do is when Brother Randy goes up to pray, before they come up and pray, they already try to decipher what he's up there for. You know, him and Miss Carol must be having marriage problems. That's what he's up there for, I bet. They lean over the person beside him. I saw Miss Carol didn't say hello to him this morning. He's up there because they're fighting. Maybe he's got a herniated disc. But I already put Miss Carol in the, in, in the prayer with him already. Or somebody walks up there and we start thinking, oh, you know why they're up there, don't you? You know what kind of life they live. We, did, we try to infer what they're up there for. We're not just half the good church people. They don't, they don't just come and start praying. I don't need to know. I'm just going to talk to God on your behalf. No, no, they want details. You know why they want details? Because they like to share details. Because they want to get on the phone when church is over and say, you know, Brother Randy went to church this, this morning. He was in the altar. I, you know, I, I think something's going on with him and Miss Carol. I just, you better pray for them. Their marriage is falling apart. Nobody needs to know that. Only God needed to know that and them. You, they, nobody else in the church needs to know that. And if they want the pastor or some leader in the church to know it, that's their prerogative, but it ain't nobody else's prerogative. Just why, before everybody walks out of here and starts putting on social media, to my knowledge, there is no problems there. So please don't go out and tell anybody that they have marriage problems when you leave here. It's just an example. No offense, I have to clarify that because just before church this morning, Madison, or just before church, Madison was sitting on the piano and she said, where's Mike? I said, oh, I left him home by himself. She said, where's Mike and Brianna? I said, oh, Brianna's on her way, but I had to leave Mike at home because he wasn't feeling too good. He's by himself and Brianna's on her way. And she said, you can't do that. He's too young. Like I would leave the child by himself at home. I mean, y'all, he's only six, guys. So I want to preface it before somebody goes off somewhere thinking I said something I didn't say. But it's easy when it's a brother Randy or a brother Dennis or whoever at the altar. Oh, it's easy for us to give a little now I lay me down to sleep prayer or, or, or whatever you want to call it or infer whatever. But it gets a whole lot more difficult when whether it's the message, whether it's a song, whether it's whatever. It gets a whole lot more difficult when it's me that has to be held accountable and I have to be the one to walk the aisle. I have to be the one to bow the knee. I have to be the one to shed the tear. It gets a lot different when it's my turn to have to be held before God in a current and, and standard of what He asked for me to do. And see, I think that while we talk about the rebellious of the righteous, I mean the rebellious of uh, removing rebellion and the redemption of the revolted, that the church for so long we have learned to do programs and do policies and procedures and, and do things and have the right equipment and have the right presentations and all of this. We've done it so long that we have spiritually started regressing because we have perfected the program we're producing. God did not require us to produce quality programming. He called us to produce righteous living. There is a difference. Now you say, well, Pastor, what are you saying? We shouldn't do things with excellence. No, you should do excellence. But it shouldn't come down to producing a, 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 pro, uh, a program that is flawless and, and compromising the, living, the righteous living that God's Word says. If it ever gets to a point, any church, and I don't care what, who's watching and what church they go to, if it ever gets to the point that it's all about the program, I'm not saying people that have television ministries or anything like that, that there's anything wrong. But if it ever gets to the point that it's all about the production and the program and the imagery and we compromise the gospel, 
gospel message because we're trying to keep the program and the ministry going at a certain level. We've got it all wrong. God did not want our quality programs and procedures and, and, and policies. He wanted us to produce disciples that lived righteously and holy before the Lord. Whether it's with the big TV ministry or whether it's with 20 people on the backside of Highway 52 in Berkeley County. Whether you're on TV or whether nobody knows where we are right now. God's words stand never changed. It's never been different. God requires us to live holy and righteous before Him. God wants us to live a certain way and to conduct. And we have over the years, the church of the living God has compromised the gospel, has compromised the gospel message. We have done things that have called into question what thus saith the word of the Lord. We're worried about what our look looks like on television or on Facebook or how quality of music or how good the person sings or how whatever it may be to make us look good and we don't make them hold to God's standard in the process. Look, I'm going to be frank with you. It might get me in trouble, but I'm good at that. I just told Brandon last night, I said, one thing I'm good at is getting on people's nerves. I am a specialist at that. I think it's like a spiritual gift that's not mentioned in the Bible, and I've got that one. Because I'm so good at it, I know it has to be counted for something. I've got to get credit for it somewhere. Look, I don't, I don't, I'm not here to bash other churches. That's not my prerogative. But I am here to say that there are churches that they're giving a false representation and hurting the body of Christ because they're producing products that are not in standards with God's word. There are churches out there that are putting people on platforms and giving them platforms to speak and to sing and putting them in different avenues where they know they're not living the way they should be living. They know they don't have the heart of God like they're supposed to have. They know they're engaging in behaviors they shouldn't. But because of the quality of the program, because of how they have to look or the kind of crowds they're trying to draw, they're willing to compromise. Like I'm telling you, we can never compromise the Word of God. We might compromise on something on our own policies or our own procedures, but God's Word never can be compromised for the sake of social relevancy or for the sake of cultural relevancy we have to make sure God's word never changes because it's forever settled in heaven I cannot allow somebody to stand and I'm, I'm being serious it's not that I don't want the best person to sing it's not that I don't want the most quality musician but I can't put people that give them avenues to be in leadership or but how can you lead somebody in worship when you don't even know how to live a lifestyle of worship before the Lord you have to live right before God you have to you have to and the church dying. You say, well, Pastor, this church is all over growing. Yes, they're growing, but they're not growing with disciples. They're growing with fluff. They're growing with social issues. They're, they're growing with the world. God did not die for us to be worldly. He died for us to be holy before Him. The reality of it is, I'm not saying you have to go back to bun hairdos and beehive days. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, there's still a standard of morality that has to be held up in God's house. I'm not interested in you bringing your coffee and donuts while I'm preaching. That's what I'll have a fellowship hall for. Stay back there and eat it. Don't you bring it in this sanctuary. I'm not interested. If you need a bottle of water because you cough and you thought, I get that. But I don't need your two liter diet Dr. Pepper in the house of the Lord. That's for the back, not for this house. Because there's still something, because this is still God's house and it's supposed to be holy unto the Lord. It's holy unto the Lord. We have to be revived because even our hearts, even though we, you know, I've learned a long time ago that sometimes we can be going through the motions of church so long that we realize that over time the church just becomes another routine. We just do it because it's a routine. 
We know we got to go on Sunday. We know we got to go on. We just do it because we have to. We don't even, we're not even excited about going to the house of the Lord. It's one of those more drudgery oftentimes than it is excitement. We're like, oh, God, it's Sunday. I got to do this again. Don't come. Don't come. Oh, God, I can't believe the preacher just said don't come. I would rather you not come, actually. If you're that miserable to come to God's house, please stay home because all you're going to do is damper the spirit of the Lord in this house. And I'd rather have 10 people who are excited about being in the house of the Lord than 70 people who's going to make this a mess when they get here. I'm just being frank. Jesus pre preached to thousands, but he only took 12 people back home with him every night. So I'll take my dirty dozen and we'll go do what we got to do. The rest of y'all do what you want to do. I'll take my 12 and go home. Actually, I only need nine of you because I got two at the house plus me makes three. So I only need nine of you to come with me. Any additional is a bonus. <laughs> Because, see, we, we have become weak. We've become a prayerless church. We've become a powerless church because we are not living the way God called us to be. The embers of the Holy Spirit is not moving like it was. The prophet Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord was like a fire shut up in my bones. Now you can't get people to much less even want to talk about God, much less be a word inside of them that they cannot talk about God. The prophet Jeremiah said, I did not even want to mention his name. I didn't want to talk about God, but his word was burning like a fire in my bones and I could not contain it. I had to tell everybody, nowadays you can't beg people to tell God about anything. Nothing. You can't get them to teach Sunday school. You can't get them to lead a prayer, you can't get them to share with the word of the Lord with their neighbor you know, nowadays you can't get people to even talk about God good Ephesians 5 and 27, 25 through 27 says Christ also loved the church he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the word the washing of the water by the word that he may present unto himself a glorious church, not having a wrinkle or spot or any blemish, that she should be holy and blem uh, holy and without blemish before him on that day. See, God needs us to live a way and revive. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm all about preaching salvation messages. I'm all about sons and daughters coming to the faith. And I, I know that there could be a time that comes that somebody may come on a Sunday night to a church service and, and maybe don't know the Lord. And, and, and we certainly hope that in that message they hear the word and they give their heart to Jesus Christ. But I also, I was born at night, but not last night. And I also understand that 99.9% .9 of the time, any church that has a Sunday night service, the people that are coming are what we call the cream of the crop. It ain't visitors. Visitors come on Sunday morning, get it out the way so they can go do what they want to go do. Only people that are glutton for punishments come back for two times on the same day. <laughs> I mean, you have to be really saved to get screamed at twice in the same day by a preacher up in the room the pulpit. I mean, who said that? That's, that's, I felt that spirit of condemnation right then. Thank God there is no more condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But I felt that. You're glutton, you know, we got, we're glutton for punishments, so to speak. So I know that on a Sunday night service, whether I'm here or another church, I know that the majority of the people I'm going to be speaking to is going to be people who, if you will, are people that are the most likely the meat of the church or the core of the church or the whatever you want to call it, the, the essential parts and pieces. But I'm telling you, sometimes the essential parts and pieces of the church need to be reminded that they cannot allow the things of this world to deter them or to distract them or take them off the course that we've been called to do. And that is to go make disciples and go witness and to grow. God did not call it. Now listen, I got some of the finest men that I think this side of heaven on, that are part of this church. Whether it's knowing how to do electrical work, whether it's knowing how to help with maintenance, whether it's how to do with, other, I mean businessmen, people that have been 
been built program, build, have built buildings and programs and done all this. Smart men. And you know what? I pray to the good Lord. I have said this many times. I think God has started shifting pieces on the bus to get it, things kind of lined up so that one day when we have to break ground on somewhere else, I already have wisdom. And the Bible talks about there's wisdom in the council. You know, and, and uh, uh, when you have a multitude of counsel, there's wisdom in that room. And I thank God he's sending people to help me be like, Pastor, that's not going to pass codes and zones. And Pastor, that's a stupid idea. Somebody's going to get hurt. And they already know how this is supposed to go. And, and I thank God for that. But you know what? God did not call me just to build buildings. He didn't call me to renovate properties. I like doing it. I'm excited when we get to do those things and bring life. We can never forget the, my, my calling and your calling as the children of God is not to build a church. That's a byproduct of our calling, not the product of our calling. It's not what we were called to do. God did not call us to build Ephesus. God did not call us to build building. God said, go make disciples. Go share the word. Preach the word, go tell people. And then when they come, we may have to build a building because they're coming. But the job was not to build the building. The job was to tell them who Jesus was. And sometimes even us in the church, we have to be reminded, while it's like the mundane, going through the motions and drudgery of having to come to church, but you have to be reminded, but God still has a plan for His church. And we sometimes have to have those that fire of Pentecost stoked. we got to have the Spirit of the Lord kind of burn with inside of us again. Even time to time, the righteous people have to be revived and encouraged in spirit so they can help the church go forth and accomplish what God wants it to do. And then finally, there's a refining process. This is the part nobody likes. Miss Carol, you can make your way. This is the part nobody likes. Yeah, the Lord might have to revive the righteous, but we don't like it when God, after He brings us to this altar of accountability, nobody likes it when God starts pointing out the areas we got to fix. It's hard enough to walk to the altar. It's even harder when God starts making me have to face certain things that He's making me have to let go of. Nobody likes God to be, if you will, send down the royal sandpaper of heaven and start shaving off some stuff on us. We don't like, you know, sandpaper, it's, you know, it's very coarse, has different levels of coarseness, but very coarse. Its design is to, is to keep basically taking off that wood to get it back to a smooth finish. And it's, it's coarse for a reason. It's removing all the callus and hard spots. I mean, it's rubbing friction. It's causing a little bit, it's not pleasant. Spiritually speaking, when God sends royal sandpaper down and He starts rubbing off some of those issues in our lives to try to get them smoothed out, we don't like that feeling. We don't like that. See, there's a refining process. I read to you a couple weeks ago about that refiner's fire and how you go in and that fuller soap and how it cleanses us and it takes us and it purifies us and it brings about a product that's pleasing to the Lord true revival does not come from a man but it comes from the words spoken by the heavenly father true revival will only last as long as God's people heed to his word and allow his spirit to do what thus saith the word of the Lord you don't need a preacher to give you revival I could stand here right now and say, okay, I'm calling this church to revival tomorrow. We're going to meet at 7 o'clock. We'll see how it goes, and we'll do Tuesday. I could call you to revival, and even if I didn't show up, that doesn't mean God still couldn't be here. You don't need a man to have revival. You don't need a woman of God to have revival. You don't even need to have a speaker to have a revival. You need God to have revival. 
Now, I could come tomorrow night, call us in revival. We could all come back tomorrow night for revival. And I could preach my heart out. And if God wasn't here, I wasted your time to show up. Because you're not going to have revival. Or we could meet tomorrow night and I could not preach at all. And the Spirit of the Lord could invade this place. And we could say, my, oh, my, were we not in revival? And nobody said anything. Because it's all connected to what the Spirit of the Lord does. Not because what a man or a woman does. I've told you that story before about how, how the, they make the silver and the gold. How they know when it's purified is when they can see the reflection of themselves. They keep skimming the top of it and getting all the dross out of it. And they keep putting under intense heat and pressure in that fire. And it keeps melting and melting and they keep skimming the impurities off. And then when they, when they, how do they know when it's pure gold or pure silver? They can see a reflection in, in the metal. They can see themselves. That's how God knows. That's why God has to perfect us. God keeps trying to use those sandpapers and those intense fires and those, don't think it's strange, these fiery trials that come against you. Don't think it's something. God's just refining us so that when He looks down from heaven and He looks at us, He can see the reflection of Himself in us. That's what it's all about. True revival is when the church of the living God, when He looks over the portals of glory, He sees Himself more than anything else in the building. He sees Himself. God doesn't care how many lights we have in the building. The Bible says we don't need no light in that city for the Lamb of God is the light. God doesn't need lights. He is the light. God doesn't care how comfortable our pews are. We care. God could care less. He don't care how thick the padding is. That's not His problem. There's been many, many years ago people sat on hard wooden benches and old upright, uh, upright type chairs that were not comfortable, but they'd sit there until they heard from God. They didn't have padded pews. Some folks didn't even have air conditioning. They were in open forums and tents outside sweating in the summer heat. They didn't even have air conditioning. But they had God. They had God. Now, we do have the amenities of lights and pews and air. That's great. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have those things. I'm not saying, God, you know, we should all just be stripped of all these things just so we can get closer to God. No, no. What I am saying is we have to be careful that we don't let all of the amenities of life and all the blessings of God that He financially gives us to be able to have these things, we can't let that overshadow what we really are called to do. It is not about our building. It is not about our pews. It's not about, it is about doing the work of the Lord. And we cannot allow these, this world and the things of this world and the news and everything, that even, even in some respects other churches and what other churches are doing or what other denominations are doing or even what the church of God is doing. We have to remember what does God want us to do? What is God saying? My challenge to us today is we really want to have revival I'm not talking about meeting on Monday through Friday and have a series of meetings. Those are great. But you can have a spirit of revival without series of meetings. See, my prayer is, and I thought about it this week as I heard the countless men and women sitting on that stage floor. My prayer this week is that, or prayer this past week when I was thinking about this was this. God, would you allow your church universally and even corporately and even individualistically in our local place. Would you allow us to start having church services where you are in control and we're just a part of what you're already doing? It don't matter how much we sing, God. I don't care if we get through the entire set list. If you want to come down in the second song on the set list, we'll just sing that song to death. But you come down when you're ready. I don't care what the set list says. 
God, I don't care if I have three points, a poem, an outline, and a nice funny little illustration and a humorous joke and giving them a gift. God, if you want to come before I even finish reading the scripture, come on down. I'll shut the Bible and I'll let you take it from there. You come down when you're ready. You talk. I will say this before we close. I've always said, I've told it to this worship team, I've told it to others, even in my other churches that I served, I've had it on the bottom of our set list. When I would print them out, you know, this this uh, this set list or this this list is subject to change under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I have often said, I will never. And I say this online, they can hear it online so they can document it and write it down. I said it. I will never apologize for stopping anything in church if God walks in the building and His Holy Spirit wants to talk. I don't care what it is. I will never apologize stopping everything and letting Him take it from there. I don't care who's in charge. I don't care if I have the greatest sermon I think I've ever heard from God. I don't think it's the, even if it's the best thing I've ever written. He walks into this room on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night before I walk up to that platform and he says, I think I've got something to say. I'm going to close my Bible and I'm going to say, here it is, Lord, it's yours. And I'm going to sit down and let you take it from here. You'll have to get it next week. It's his turn. Because that's what we're here for, to hear from God. That's why we're here. That's what church is all about, hearing the word of the Lord. So I say this. Before we pray, there are people in this building and people watching online that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you have needs. I know that. I know that if you put people in a room long enough, you talk to them long enough, there's going to be needs in the house. I know that there are probably people sitting in the sound of my voice tonight that can document and write down, verify right now, men and women either that are family, friends, or connected to them that do not have a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and they don't know that their eternity is settled in heaven. I know that. I know there are probably people in this house that maybe have people that need a healing or maybe have some decisions they have to make and need God to give them direction. I know that. But I also know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which my mind can think or comprehend according to His riches in Christ Jesus. I also know that. I also know my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. I know that. I know that my God is able to keep everything I lay in charge to Him until the day He returns. I know that. I know that if I cast my cares upon the Lord, He will care for me. I can take His yoke upon me, for His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I know that. I know I can cast my cares upon the Lord because the Bible said He cares about me. I know that. So my prayer for this house of worship moving forward and even today and moving forward. God, don't let us keep coming to church for series of meetings. Don't let us just come on Sundays to church because that's what we're supposed to do. That's great. But don't let us just come because it's the right thing to do. Let us come because we are coming to hear from you. My prayer is, God, I want when we walk into a building on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever it is, God, when we walk in that building, we walk when our foot hits the gravel parking lot, we know we've stepped on holy ground and we know you're already in this place. God, when we sit through a Sunday school hour, we hear the teachings of your word and it will encourage us in that moment. God, when we walk into the sanctuary, wherever we sit that Sunday, Lord, as soon as the first note is played or the last song is sung, God, we feel your presence in the room. 
God, whether it's the senior pastor, the associate pastor, a guest pastor, or somebody else is preaching, God, I pray that that Sunday that the Spirit of the Lord would just touch someone's life and they would leave that day changed or, or, or feel something different in their life because of the power of Jesus Christ. I don't want to come to church to have a series of meetings because that's boring. That's a waste of time. We all have things to do with our time. We don't need to come and waste time. We need to come to the house of the Lord, not with a, quote, agenda, if you will, of all the things we want God to do, but put our agenda aside, as the song says, and God, I'm coming here with, to hear from your agenda. I'm coming to hear from you. Because your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren, they may never walk into this building and hear Jesus, but if God speaks to you or encourages you or rains down in this place, God might use you to take them that message back. They may see the Christ in you instead. So when we close right here in just a moment, I want us to pray that prayer together. I want us to pray, God, don't let us keep coming to church just to come to church. I love fellowship with the best of them. I love going out to eat with you guys. I love having fellowship meals. I love church. I was, I was drugged to church. We cleaned the church for fun as a kid. That's what we did. People used to say, what do y'all do for fun? My parents take me to church to clean it. That was fun. That was an activity we enjoyed. We didn't go to the movies and ball games. We cleaned churches for entertainment. I love church. But my kid has to know what church is all about. It's not about just coming to hang out. It's coming to hear from God. I want the McKenzie's and the Madison's and the Riley's and the Brantley's and the Micah's and the, you know, all the other kids that are connected. I want them to not come to church just because it's cool to get cookies from Brother Randy. I want them to come to church because God's here. Now, I love the fact we give them cookies, but I want them to see Jesus too while they're here. I don't want to keep going through the motions. I want us to hear from God. Because that's what this world needs. They need men and women that have heard a word from God because we are going to need God in these last days. We're going to need Him. We are going to need Him. So I'm going to ask you to stand all over this house. If you're standing by somebody you're comfortable with, I want you to grab them by the hand. If not, that's okay. But if you're by somebody you don't feel, you don't have a problem holding their hand, I want you to grab them by the hand. I want us to pray together a prayer of agreement that God would not let us just keep meeting just to meet but that God would start coming down in our services and He would show Himself to us whether it's in a song, whether it's in a message but I want us to pray God, we want you to make this sanctuary this house, Santee Circle Church of God we want you to come down and birth a spirit of revival in us and let us know week after week month after month that we have entered into the presence of an almighty God let's pray together Heavenly Father to the very best of my ability I have tried to encourage your people and tell them thus saith the word God I've asked them to hear from heaven I'm asking them to hear from heaven today God I want marriages restored I want children saved I want grandchildren saved I want homes put back together I want finances to come together God I want miracles to happen because of you not because of me not because of this worship team not because we're special but because we serve an awesome God I want to serve an awesome God I know I serve an awesome God and I want you to make yourself known to us as your people week after week day after day will you come down and just meet us 
as the body of Christ. Don't let us come in a series of meetings. Don't let Sunday mornings and Sunday nights just be another thing we jot on the calendar or a schedule or an agenda we have to come to. But let us enter into your gates with thanksgiving. Let us enter into your courts with praise and say this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. God, I'm asking you today to let us at this port, this local body, this local church, this house of worship. God, I'm asking your spirit to just come every week and have full reign in this service. God, I'm asking you to do what you do. I need your spirit week after week after week to come in this house. This is holy ground. This is sacred ground. We want to feel God's presence and power, Shekinah glory, and the feeling of the Holy Spirit rain down in this house. Because we know there's nothing we can do without you. Nothing. There's no way we can ever do anywhere close to the things you can do. God, before we leave this place today and we go to our places of abode, God, I hope you would let us leave here encouraged by your word, knowing that you are still with us. You're beside us. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. And sometimes we may get derailed, distracted, detoured, but God, you still have a plan for your people. And it's still going to be a plan of purpose, plan of power and a plan that's going to be able to reach the loss for Jesus Christ let that plan be God that we continue to do the missional mandate of God and promote the agenda of an almighty God that's the plan we hold on to today and may you bless us and keep us may you make your face shine upon us may you be gracious to us lift up your countenance and give us the peace of God give us all understanding and the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight oh Lord our strength and our redeemer and we commit these plans into your heart into our in our hearts and commit them into your loving arms and care in Christ Jesus our Lord we pray people of God together said amen amen don't forget before our brother Randy prays our benedictory prayer don't forget Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. we're still in the fellowship hall we have always chips or dip or snacks and drinks, things like that for you to have. So come, let's dialogue together. Let's study together. It's kind of like vacation Bible school style. We talk, we, we dialogue. We like to hear you. We like to hear what God's doing in your life, sharing the word of the Lord. 7 o'clock next Sunday morning, if all possible, please be here to support Pastor Art as he uh, will be preaching. Uh, and uh, please be here to support him. And uh, I'll be back next Sunday night. Hopefully that we'll have a good crowd and we'll have a time in the Lord. But I ask you to do one thing for me. Not because I need you to do it because I'm special. But come next Sunday morning. I want you to come with an expectation no matter what Pastor Ard preaches or what Miss Sherry and this worship team lead you. I want you before you come to church next Sunday morning to wake up on that Sunday morning and say, God, I'm going to meet you at church today. I don't know what they're going to sing. I don't know what they're going to preach. But I'm going to the house of the Lord. And I, I'm going to be looking with an anticipation and an expectation that you're going to meet me there. And you come next Sunday morning. And you, I don't care. I would much rather you have the time of your life, the best service we've ever had in three years. Even if I'm, you know, gone somewhere that I have to go to, I want you to just shout the house down if you have to. But I want you and God to have time in the Lord next week.
I love you. I'm constantly praying for you. God bless you. Brother Randy, will you pray for us today? Yes. Sister Alma's got a son that's got some health issues. Got to have a mammogram tomorrow on a spot that's come up here on him. He's already faced multiple cancers and have had multiple operations, but she believes God can heal. I believe that. <laughs> I've seen it done. So you stretch your hands this way and let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for this dear sister who has been faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. God, you said that our faith can be counted and credited as righteousness. God, I pray right now you show yourself up tomorrow. On behalf of her son, I pray that this prayer, we pray the prayer of faith. God, you said if two or three agree accepting any one thing, you agree to be in their midst. God, you said let the elders and the men and the women of the church come together and pray the prayer of faith for the sick. And they shall recover. So God, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking right now that the Holy Ghost would walk into that room tomorrow and it would do the mammogram. It would do a procedure that no doctor could do. And God, healing virtue could take place and we could say that there is no other way but the mighty hand of a great physician, God Almighty, that walked into the room and forever settled it in the portals of glory. God, I'm asking tomorrow that we see your head high and lifted up and all credit, glory, and honor be given to you. And we commit it to your loving arms and care. And together we as the people of God agree is touching it and putting it in your arms. Let the people of God together by faith say amen. Amen. God bless you today.